Hello and welcome to the Ken Burns Show. Thank you so much for joining me right here on the BMG Network. If you have not yet gone to the bmgnetwork.com, I implore you to do that because there are some great podcasts on there that you'll want to check out, like the Adrian Ross Show, Ken and Mike Show, Mike'd Up with Mike Hansen, Set Apart with KC, and the Pac-Man Podcast. All great content for you, great host, you'll fall in love. Again, go to the bmgnetwork.com. We are going to be doing something a little different, and that is having a guest and we're going to be talking about an incredible book that I implore you to get. It is called Orphans No More by Sandra Flack, A Journey Back to the Father. And the information in this book and in this uh, show right now is not only for those who are looking to adopt who are already have adopted or are part of foster care, but for those who really want to have connection with our Heavenly Father uh, because she really dives into that because that's what adoption really is. We see the physical form, but there's obviously a spiritual form, and that's what we're going to get into uh, tonight. So without further ado, uh, let's get with our interview with Sandra Flack right here on The Ken Burns Show. So Sandra, thank you so much for joining me right here on The Ken Burns Show. I really, really appreciate you being here. Uh, we got to have you on on The Ken and Mike Show, and that was fantastic. If people haven't checked that out, they need to go to The Ken and Mike Show on Facebook or YouTube or any of those places because that was an excellent conversation about this incredible book that you have put out. Uh, again, the book is entitled Orphans No More by Sandra Flack. Uh, again, Sandra, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for uh, being with me. Hey, thank you for having me back. I'm thrilled to be here. How is the book going? How's, it, how's the whole process going? It's going good. I thought that writing a book meant you write a book and then you're done. And that's not the case because marketing a book, promoting a book is another job. <laughs> and so I'm working that job now, but it's going really well. The word is getting out there and um, people are very interested, interested in it, getting great feedback, great reviews. So, so far, so good. Yeah, I've seen that. And, you know, I mentioned that on another show, too, is that your reviews say a lot. And um, and you're obviously touching people's lives. It's no doubt about it. And uh, I'll ask you a question about that later on in the show. But uh, first, uh, what was, you know, if we can go back in, in, in some history here about Sandra Flack, what was that aha moment in your life that motivated you to become a foster and adoptive mom? Gosh, we didn't really have a plan mm -hmm. to do adoption, uh, but God had a plan. And we, my husband and I had three biological children. The youngest was three at the time. And we were reaching out to help a relative. I have a, a, a great aunt and uh, she was uh, parenting her granddaughter because her daughter had passed away from cancer. Mm. And we reached out to kind of help them, you know, like, the widows and the orphans but the more we were helping them the more we recognized that this the little girl who at the time was eight was in a really bad situation very long story short we eventually got custody of the little girl she came to live with us in 1999 and eventually we did go on to adopt her and then at that point the lord began to stir our hearts towards international adoption where we traveled in 2006 and brought home a sibling set of three uh, and then found out there was a fourth sibling, a younger sibling, and we eventually traveled back to Ukraine and adopted him. So I kind of feel like we came in through the back door. We didn't really know where we, where we were headed. The Lord was just leading us and mm -hmm. we were walking it out in obedience. And here we are eight kids later. <laughs> now, you told a story a while ago, uh, which is funny. 
because you said when you guys, I think it was when you built your house, you built it for a, a household of, of uh, was it four? So, well, we had three bedrooms, the mm-hmm. master bedroom and two other bedrooms that we figured, oh, we'll have a boy and a girl. We'll have two kids and then we'll be done. Uh, that then we ended up with eight kids and we had to put an addition on our house. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would say so. Uh, eight kids in a, in, a, in a three bedroom house would be psychotic. I think, yeah, it, it, it wouldn't work. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so on the, onto the book though. Um, well, first I, I will ask this too, is that, uh, your husband and, and, and you, you guys were in agreement in the whole process, correct? From the beginning. No, not in, not in the beginning. Okay. Um, I mean with our daughter, when we said yes to the relative little girl who came in 99, yes, that was sort of a no brainer. Of course she needs a home and of course we're family. We'll take her. But the Lord began to stir my heart for international adoption uh, long before Wayne was on the same page. And it took it took a couple of years for him to finally hear from the Lord. And I had to be very careful during that time. Like I shared with him my heart and then had to the Lord right away said for me to be quiet, which mm-hmm. was like really hard for mm-hmm, me to do. Mm-hmm. But I, because I knew I could probably talk him into almost anything right mm-hmm. but I, I knew if we were going to do this it was going to be big and it was going to be difficult and he he would need to hear from the lord himself as well um so i i, I waited and it was a long process um, but eventually he did he did come on board he recognized the lord in it and he's been all in ever since i've heard this story so many times, and it seems to always come from the wife like this. Now, I know it's not always the case, but I remember I had missionary friends who I, I lived out with and in, in, uh, lived with in Guatemala, and it was the same type of scenario where she wanted to be a missionary forever. He would not leave. It took like 12 years until finally God spoke to him, and, and, uh, and, they, and then they were off. And uh, it's, it's, it takes patience, for sure. Uh, yeah. Us men can be <laughs> very logical and, and think about things in a very rational way when we should be thinking about it in a, in a spiritual way sometimes too. Yeah, um, I don't think it's that way with everybody. I think no, I, no. I remember hearing Stephen Curtis Chapman mm-hmm. tell their adoption story and he felt called to adopt from China long before his wife, Mary Beth hmm. was on board. So sometimes the tables are turned, but sure. I do think most of the time it starts with the, the wife or the mom because we have that mother's heart. Sure. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, hence the reason why we need uh, the women in our lives. Because they bring balance. <laughs> so, um, you are now an official author. Official, right? So, obviously, this is what you're doing. Uh, now, in the book itself, uh, Orphans No More, again, uh, if you have not gotten your copy of Orphans No More, be sure to go there at the... Um, you can go to or, uh, it's sandraflack.com. Is that what it is again? Yeah, Sandra yeah, Fleck. You can get it anywhere. Books are sold. Um, you can get it on Amazon, of course. And but you, if you'd like a signed copy, you can go to my website, sandraflack.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, but you had told the story a while ago too, as as to how this came about. I, I know there was a prophecy, but also when did when first? When did this start, though? When in your in your heart and your mind did you say, you know what, I need to write a book? Yeah, several years ago, I'd have to say probably six years ago, the Lord put it on my heart and I thought, okay, because I'm all about walking out in obedience, whatever he calls me to do. But I'd never written a book before and I wanted to make sure I was hearing from the Lord and it wasn't just some idea 
you know, that I came yeah. up with. So I, you know, said, I I'll do it, Lord, but you have to confirm it. Uh, and he did over a period of time, two different individuals. Uh, one just suggested that I start blogging because he said blog posts make great chapters in books. And I'd never, I didn't tell anybody that I felt the Lord leading me to write. Hmm. Um, and then the other individual was uh, at our church and he had a word for me and he told me I was going to write not just one, but three books. And I thought, hmm, interesting, because at that point I hadn't written any and hadn't told anybody I felt called. Hmm. Uh, but then beyond that, I said, okay, Lord, it sounds like that's what you want me to do. But And I assumed it would have something to do with our adoption story. But I said, I'm not going to start writing until you tell me exactly what I'm supposed to write. And I had had been having conversations and I had been sharing messages about the orphan spirit mindset. And I got asked to share a message. And uh, and I, I told this on the other on the other podcast we were on together that um, I put together this whole message. I was going over my notes and I got up the morning of the message to print my notes. I had them all on my iPad at the time. Mm -hmm. And when I opened it up to go over it and print the notes, it opened and then disappeared off of my iPad. And then the night before I had been going over the same notes on my phone. So, you know, in the cloud, they're all linked. Yep. So I quick grabbed my phone, opened it, hit print. And the second I heard my printer start to print, it disappeared off of my phone. <laughs> never happened before, has never happened since. But right there, I started to question, what, what is it with this message? I brought the message. It was very well received. You know, people were telling me they felt like it was an anointed message. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning, sitting with the Lord, I was kind of like, you know, God, what exactly was that? That mm -hmm. was crazy. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said, that, that's your message. I just knew wow. that was what my book was supposed to be about. Yep. Um, so I talk about in the book. The book is really, it is our family's adoption journey. But it's also what I learned about our spiritual adoption as children of God through the lens of being an adoptive mom. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's what the, it's that orphan spirit mindset and how to really walk in sonship. Yes, that's right. And I, and I want to ask you, we'll get to specifics on that orphan spirit, because I love the way that you, you uh, detailed that out last time, too, because it's very important. Um, but. Uh, a couple of different things. Now, of, of course, we talk about the, the overall pattern and theme of the book really is. I mean, it's not like a fictitious book or, you know, just some encouragement. This is your real life that you walked out. And it's, and honestly, it's very vulnerable, too, because you talk about a little bit. And we'll get to one of the chapters there, too, that of, you know, mistakes that we we all make. I, I don't make as many as you do, probably. But 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 we all make these mistakes. And as many kids as I do. That's why. Oh, that's what it is. That's right. I only got three. <laughs> I, I, okay. I have three, but I guarantee you that I've made more mistakes with the three than you've ever made with your eight. So oh. yeah. Um, but listen, so a couple of, uh, so right to it too, with, with some of the chapters were fantastic chapters, um, but they're important. And the ones that I kind of took away uh, and I said, you know, I want, I would want to talk more about this. And one of them was weapons of warfare. Uh, and I think about this a lot because we all walk around and we do our thing every day as Christians and as people and whatever it is, whether you're adopting or, you know, that's what what's you know, your lot in life or if you're, you know, a musician, whatever you're doing. Um, but there's something always ready to just devour you and make challenge you and not God, but I mean, obviously he challenges us, but there's something else that's always constantly coming against you and that's the enemy. Um, so why 
in in this book in particular, when, as far as adoption goes, your story um, was this chapter written, Weapons of Warfare. Yeah. Well, we know that the enemy hates babies mm. and children and families and adoption, especially mm -hmm. you know, the enemy doesn't like it when an orphan becomes a son or daughter, whether it's in the natural, the physical adoption of children mm -hmm. or our spiritual adoption when we're adopted into God's family. Yep. So there's warfare is always surrounding that. And I learned along the way that we really need to be equipped for battle mm. with prayer. Uh, and also I talk about the armor of God a lot because you don't want to go into battle unequipped or ill-equipped. Mm -hmm. And we learned some hard lessons in the beginning, just, you know, running out to try to do some things and just hadn't stopped to pray, hadn't uh, really focused on, you know, really following the Lord's lead in, in some things. So, um, but we experienced warfare, not only in the process leading up to traveling to Ukraine to adopt our children, um, because it, it was like our paperwork got approved. We got approved to adopt from Ukraine and bam, the whole adoption program in Ukraine shut down for reorganization. Mm -hmm. And we waited nine months before it was reopened. And I think there were a lot of you know, parents like us waiting. There were a lot of prayers prayed for those doors to open and they finally did. Uh, and then we traveled to Ukraine and we just came upon roadblock after roadblock um, my first, our first adoption in Ukraine, I was there six weeks through Christmas. Wow. My biological kids were home. I was in Ukraine. Uh, just a lot of challenges in the process. So I learned along the way to be, you know, to, for not only for us to pray, but we had a prayer team covering us from back home. And we, when we were in country facing some of the hardest stuff, we could, we literally felt the prayers of our church family back home praying for us and doors opening and we experienced you know just knowing that that was that was covering us when we were walking out this battle walking through this battle uh, so i write a, i did i covered a whole chapter on that but it's it's really prayer and the armor of god amen amen i i agree wholeheartedly because i mean just when you, especially with what's already going on in the world i mean before covid before all these different things it's it really can get crazy. And if we're not ready, uh, we're going to just get devoured and wonder why what's going on. Cause we weren't paying attention. We weren't spending time with, with God. And, um, and it, it, it don't get me wrong. It happens all the time. It's like, why is this happening? It's like, well, have you been spending time with me? It's like, no, you know, but, uh, so yeah. So one of the other uh, chapters, speaking of, of all these things too, was, is, uh, entertaining angels. And this story is pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, so please tell it. Yeah. So I'd never thought about angels before, mm -hmm. really. But in uh, and, and the time that this actually happened while we were in Ukraine, I didn't I knew it was a miracle, two miracles in one day. But I didn't relate it to angels until many years after. And I heard a pastor talking about that we have angels that are that are doing things and helping us. And the Lord right away brought this story, this experience to my you know remembrance. And I was like, oh, I think that was angels. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can't be sure or not, but I'm suspecting that that was the case. But uh, we had already had the children, but we couldn't come home with them until they had their Ukrainian passports so that they could travel. The three kids, two of the older two were in from an orphanage in one village. 
and the little guy who was three was in an orphanage in a, in a, in a they call them baby houses. So school age mm-hmm. children are in one type of an orphanage and babies are in another separate villages, couple hours apart. But because of where they had lived in the orphanage, part of the paperwork process was for us to, we had to go to one village, get paperwork processed at a, the, like the, the passport application processed at a government office, kind of like, I would liken it to like a, a, a town, a town clerk kind of office okay. or a, a county clerk kind of thing. Okay. And then in the other village, we had to do the same thing and it had to be signed and stamped. And then we could take those two documents, those two passport applications to the central passport office in Kiev where there, they would then make the passports. So I was all prayed up and ready to go, right? Because now I know that I have to, you know, I have to be, I have to have weapons of warfare. Yep. And I get in the car that morning and it was, it was um, the first week of January. And in Ukraine, the country of Ukraine celebrates um, Christmas on the, the, um, the Orthodox. Oh, Orthodox. Orthodox. Okay. Sorry. The Orthodox Church in Ukraine celebrates Christmas that I believe it's January 7th, right? So once you get close to the holidays, things start shutting down. Government offices start shutting down in Ukraine. And um, it was it was probably about January 4th, January 5th. And I we get in the car. I get in the car with my facilitator who takes us around and processes all these documents for us and helps us and translates. And uh, I get in the car and she announced today in my country is a holiday. Oh, boy. All of the government offices are closed, but we will try. Mm-hmm. And my, my prayed up, armored up self just deflated in the backseat <laughs> of that little car because I thought, what are you talking about? In my country, when we, you know, when it's a holiday, we don't even get out of bed to go to the motor vehicle <laughs> or, you know, the post office because it's closed and closed means It's closed. There's nobody coming into work. But off we sped to the first village. And I was just so, you know, downtrodden and just sat there deflated. I had been in Ukraine almost six weeks at that point. I wanted to go home. Sure. And we had the kids, but they were, we were cramped into this little tiny one bedroom apartment and they were eating us out of house and home and, you know, climbing the walls literally. (laughs) And I'd been away from my biological kids for a month and I was just so done. My husband was already home and we pulled into a parking lot and I just sat in the backseat of the car and the facilitator got out and went up the street. And I just, I couldn't even pray really. I just sat there you know, kind of having a pity party. Mm-hmm. And then I realized after several minutes, she didn't come back to the car. And if it was just closed, she would have been back by then. Mm. So I had this little glimmer of hope to at least pray that she wouldn't come back to the car right away. <laughs> um, and many, many minutes went by. And when she finally did come back, she's sort of had a surprise look on her face. She got in the car and turned around and said, the lights were off and the door was locked. But when I looked through the window, there was a girl in there and she processed our documents and she held them up and showed them to me. Hmm. And I was hmm. like, wow. Wow. And then off we headed to the next village. And that at that point I had enough faith, right. To mm-hmm. just pray that God would do it again. I was repenting for unbelief <laughs> and praying that God would repeat this miracle again on the way there. Um, and really pretty much the same thing 
played out in the next village. We parked up the street. So I couldn't see the office building she went into and she left. And I just started praying that God would do the same thing and that she wouldn't come back right away. And I knew every second that went by that she wasn't there, um, that that was good news. Mm -hmm. So again, after I, I don't even know how long she was gone. I can't remember, but, um, many, many minutes went by. And when she finally come back, she basically said the same thing. The lights were off, the door was locked, but there was a woman in there and she let me in and she did our paperwork and here it is. And then we sped off to Kiev, back to Kiev and were able to submit the paperwork for the passports to be made so the kids could come home. But it was like two miracles back to back. And why would two closed government offices have somebody in there working on a holiday yep. and do our paperwork. So I know it was a miracle. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all in a foreign country. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, that lady, she, like you, I think you said she, she could have been an angel. You don't know. Who yeah. knows? All we know is yeah. God was doing something. Yep, exactly. And he uses people, but I mean, he had it all planned and orchestrated, obviously. I mean, geez. Um, so obviously you didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, so one of the chapters in your book is, is entitled, We Didn't Know What We Didn't Know. Uh, now, the story that you tell in that, uh, which I love because, again, it kind of helps us realize, uh, uh, well, had to have a little grace and mercy on ourselves because we really sometimes, all of this, I think, when I look at your story, when I think about your, your book and all you've done, all you're doing, all of it, to me, looks like a form of connection. The father's always looking for connection. He wants to connect with us. He wants his children to connect. Uh, it, that, and that's all, that's what it's all about. But sometimes we, the connection process and the communication process, we get it so wrong. <laughs> um, and I think in this chapter, you kind of describe that in a, in a story uh, with your daughter. What, what, uh, what happened? Yeah, so typically when families become, say, foster parents, they go through some training. Uh, a lot of times when you go through an adoption agency, there's some type of training. We kind of came in the back door mm -hmm. and didn't get any training because mm. we said yes to a relative child who had not been in foster care. So she came right to us. We had zero training. So we didn't understand trauma and how trauma and loss impacts a child. Uh, we didn't understand attachment or any of those things. We just figured we're parents. We know how to parent. This mm -hmm. will be great. And we'll all live happily ever after. And it didn't play out that way. And then when we adopted, we traveled for our Ukrainian adoption. I did read some books about adoption and attachment um, just to kind of prepare. But I, we still didn't have any formal training. And it was after we brought our youngest son home. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he had some significant needs. He'd been in the orphanage from birth to age five. He had experienced abandonment and neglect and uh, prenatally exposed to alcohol. So he had so many things going on. And we knew we are not equipped to parent this child. We need some serious help. And then we went uh, on a journey to get trained to become trauma-informed. We've since become informed about how to parent children with uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Mm -hmm. And we began to realize looking back to the beginning when we welcomed our daughter home, the first, the, our first adoption, that we parent her, her all wrong. <laughs> we spent more time 
sort of, you know, focusing on behavior modification and correction and discipline, which really blocked connection. Mm. You know, I wasn't feeling the warm fuzzies throughout the day, you know, to really love, I loved her, but I wasn't exuding love. I wasn't feeling affectionate and loving and, you know, fun loving. I was feeling most of the time stressed and, um, you know, burnt out and exhausted and just needing a break, but, but feeling guilty because I didn't know why I was feeling that way because I do love this child. And if she would just behave, right. (laughs) Um, but, but we learned that, you know, children who've experienced trauma, children who've been prenatally exposed to drug and alcohol, their brains are actually different. Hmm. The, the, the function and structure of their brains are changed. So really what we think of as bad behaviors are actually symptoms to a brain-based disability and parents need to have the right tools. So in the end, now, now we're more equipped, um, but our daughter has extended us great grace. She's now 31 and she's married. They just moved to Wyoming. And we have a much better relationship with her now than we did in those early days when things were really, really difficult because we didn't know how to parent her. We weren't, we weren't connecting with her. Um, I mean, we, we bonded, you know, we loved each other. There were happy moments. It wasn't like it was a nightmare the whole time or anything, but it was just hard all the time. Um, but we've learned to, to connect with her now and to give a lot of yeses and, um, you know, I know I, I, I know I shared with you the story and you guys kind of your jaws dropped when I said, you know, she got married this past October 2020 and the theme of her wedding was the nightmare before Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, and as, you know, Christians for 30 plus years, you know, we don't do Halloween, you know, we don't do all of that stuff. And yet she wanted they got married on Halloween. That was very important to them. Mm-hmm. And they, the whole, there was, it was a completely themed wedding. And I could have taken that high road, you know, and looked down my nose and said, oh no, as Christians, we do not do this. But that would not have done anything for our relationship. And I just sensed the Lord was saying, love on her and just say yes to this, go with it. And it was, it was an amazing wedding. They did a beautiful job. It was a themed wedding. So everything kind of was the colors and the decorations. And so many of our friends had approached us afterwards and said, this was one of the best weddings we'd ever attended. It was fun. Mm. Some people did come in costume that wasn't required. And most people really didn't. But it was like, you know, they walked down the aisle and it wasn't in a church. We had the, the wedding at the same venue as the reception. But my husband walked her, my, our daughter in to that theme of um of from trans-siberian orchestra i think it's christmas in sarajevo you know that dun 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 yes i i i, I love it <laughs> and, and the girls men walked in i think to the theme to the adams family or something so it was just kind of neat it wasn't demonic in any no, way no, it no, no. was just a fun neat wedding and because we just loved on her and just, you know, gave, it was, there's a power in giving yeses to our kids, you know, not for bad or dangerous things. Right, Obviously right. there's times we have to say no, but I think a lot of times as parents, we can be tired and just say no, because it's more convenient for us to not get off the couch and away from our Netflix movie and go out in the yard and run around and play football or whatever, than it would be to just say, yes, you know, yes, let's go do that. Yep. But we connect with our kids through play mm. play especially with children who've experienced trauma 
play disarms fear mm. and builds trust and helps grow relationships. And that's what we need to do with our kids. So we learned all of that, but we learned it the hard way and we learned it later and had to go back and redo with our daughter stuff that we should have been doing all along, but we didn't know. I, I love that. And, and for those who are watching or listening, um, you know, have some grace on yourself uh, and realize that there's some things that you can do now, whether no matter how old your, your, your son or daughter is um, or your kids are, uh, because we're, we're going to make those mistakes because we, we really obviously love our children and we want what's best for them. Um, but, but we all go from our own learned behavior on how we do things. But being humble enough to change is what your I think a lot of your point is, too is that you guys were humble enough to see that, you know, there's some things that we have to do differently and there's nothing wrong. It doesn't mean that we're bad people. It just means like, Hey, we're just doing it wrong. Just like yeah. it, with anything, if you're, if you're doing a, a bad job at your, at your work or whatever like that, and they tell you, you, you change. Um, and so obviously with parenting, it, it, it comes to that. Now, a couple of things come to mind. One of the things is the same thing. Um, you know, you become, I don't want to say, uh, soft. I don't know if that's the right word, but sometimes these things that you've been, you, you're really legalistic about, like there's been things in my life and my wife has, has really changed my mind on some things. Not, nothing bad or horrific, but just like, okay, yeah, you're, you're right. I can't really, I can't really back that up. That's just kind of more of a, that's what I learned that you should, you shouldn't do that because someone's Jim, Jimmy said you shouldn't do that because you know, as Christians, that's not what you do. But sometimes it's really, again, I mean, I think about what Jesus would have done and what he does now is he always meets us where we're at always still we can be in our darkest moments and he's still going to come to us and i'm not saying that that the wedding was dark at all what i'm saying though is that in our minds it's like oh my gosh but really it's just like what, what are we really fussing about we're going and spending time and connecting with people and uh and and loving them uh wherever they're at whatever they're doing and uh and i and i love that i really do um and another thing that came to my mind too and i won't go off into politics or anything like that but just thinking about how important it is to have relationship with your parents uh, because the world is obviously taking these kids. I mean, the statistics, especially in the UK, I just read something recently about uh, certain things and I won't get into gender and stuff like that, but they're confused. Uh, these teenagers are so confused and they just don't know where to go, but they're being told by, you know, it's kind of a group think, if you will. I mean, it really is. There's like a, a thought contagion or, or a social contagion that's happening where they get around a, a, some social people and, and that's what they're doing. So they'll do it too because they don't have any identity. And it's amazing when you have people like yourself and people around that are really looking out for kids in a very healthy way where they want to point to something that lasts forever, not something that's going to last for, you know, five years and now you look back and say what did i do um yeah. and the whole point is is about christ and about leading these kids to christ which obviously you guys were doing and that's what your book is about uh yeah and identity ken is a huge part of it because yes. in, the, in the part of the book i talk about that orphan spirit mindset yes um, kids who've been abandoned neglected kids in foster care kids in um My husband is pulling in. I don't know if you can hear his backup. No worries. I had a dog a little while ago. It's all good. <laughs> um, kids in the foster care system, kids who've come from international adoption where they've, they've been abandoned, mm -hmm. neglected, they come with a skewed sense of identity and they yeah. come with shame, fear, self, 
you know, protection, um, control issues, insecurities, rejection. And I outline those in the book as part of the orphan spirit mindset. And when we don't have a good earthly father to understand that, that models our heavenly father, then we end up with a fatherless generation mm. that doesn't really know who they are or that they're loved or that they're valued and it carries them throughout their life. So in my book, I kind of detail the parallels between, um, you know, the, the physical adoption of children and God's adoption of us into his family as children of God and how to be free of all those mindsets of shame and fear and whatnot. And it all has to do with relationship and connection. Like you're saying, parents and kids have to connect. We have to have that relationship with them. We have to have fun together and, and love one another. Yes. I love, I love that. All full disclosure. There was, um, I can't think of it right now. I just I just ordered a book a while ago about parenting, because you know, especially through the different you know uh, changes that are happening in our in our lives right now, you know, we're moving and stuff like that. It can get really stressful. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> we got to make sure that we're doing some things right here so that we don't ruin these kids. So, I think I think it really is. I think whatever we can do and get our hands on and resources, it's not a sh it's not shame fest. It's it's doing the right thing to to make sure that we're equipped. Um, and obviously that's what you guys do with orphans no more with justice for orphans with a lot of these organizations that you're part of that, um, that you're running. Um, but you, I, I didn't even say this, but, uh, those who, who don't know Sandra Flack, um, not only is she just an author now, I mean, you might look at it and be like, oh my gosh, she's just great professional author. Who's been just doing this forever. And her hotel, she doesn't just do this. She does a lot of other things. So, uh, how you're doing all the other things on top of it, I, I don't know. Um, but it's fantastic and it's, but it's worth it as, as, uh, or you wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> so, and it's, it's about having that kingdom mindset. So you did, you touched on the orphan spirit. Uh, what is, and, and you gave the definition of this, uh, on a, on a, on a previous podcast as well. What, what is the definition of an orphan spirit? What does that look like? Well, and I just mentioned some of those things. It's, it's that mindset where, it's the opposite of believing what God says about us. Yes. So the enemy does not want us to know who we are in Christ, because when we walk in the fullness of our identity, we walk in sonship as Jesus did, then the enemy knows he's lost, right? Mm -hmm. The kingdom of darkness hates it when children of, of light walk in the light. So there's this mindset of being an orphan. And in the book, I kind of detail a story about our son, our youngest son, who he'd been home about a year from Ukraine. He was our son. We'd adopted him. We had an adoption decree. He had a new birth certificate with a new name, new family, new address in a new country, a whole new life. But yet in so many ways, he still acted like an orphan. Mm. And in one, one story in particular, he woke up one morning and his little cheek was out swollen like he had a golf ball shoved in the corner of his mouth and he came out and sat at the kitchen counter like he was you know for breakfast and i look at him and i i was like i was taking it back and i'm like does your does your cheek hurt and he said yeah pretty badly and it turned out he had a very bad infection in his tooth and if any of us i know i've had toothaches i'm sure you have yes it's one of the worst pains right we can experience it's so painful and it usually is pretty painful for days before it gets to that right point where your face is swollen 
And he'd never once cried in the night. He never once even told us his tooth hurt. Nothing. No, and I had no indication until he walked out with that swollen cheek. And, and I realized right then my heart just broke because in the orphanage, kids don't cry because nobody comes when they cry. So they stop crying. They learn early on. Nobody answers the cry. They learn to live in pain. They develop a very high pain tolerance. Nobody comes, nobody cares. So you just don't say anything. Mm. So he was still living like an orphan, living in pain, believing nobody cared and nobody would come. Wow. And that's how we can be even, we don't even have to have been orphaned. You know, I wasn't technically an orphan, but my parents divorced when I was about five years old. My father married somebody else and moved out of the state. And I rarely saw him um, over the next many, many years. But that abandonment from a father figure left me feeling unlovable and insecure and rejected. And I carried that um, you know, for many, many years until I really did encounter the love of God. I, I, I came to Christ, I became a Christian, but it was you know, a, a few years after that when I, my husband actually had been showing me unconditional love like mm-hmm. our heavenly father does. Mm-hmm. And in my book, the last, the very back of the book, I, I, I have some testimonies from individuals who had all been physically orphaned. Mm-hmm. Um, they had either been in foster care or they had been orphans internationally. Not all of them ever got adopted, but every one of them are solidly walking with the Lord, leading lives in ministry. Wow. And they know their true identity in Christ. And I reached out to them to wrap up the book and I asked them, what was it that changed the trajectory of your life? How can you walk in the fullness of sonship instead of walking around with that mindset of an orphan, even after you've experienced horrific things in your childhood? And by and large, every one of them came back with two, two of the same things. And one was somebody showed them the unconditional love of God in some way, whether it was a foster or adoptive parent or someone who just provided them with shoes when wow. they'd never had a pair of shoes before. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the other part, the second part was coming to know the word of God and, and, and choosing to believe what God says about them in his word, that they are chosen and loved fearfully and wonderfully Mm -hmm, made, mm -hmm. redeemed, wanted, uh, that they have a kingdom purpose, that God says that they are, are, are lovable, that he will never leave them or forsake them. So everything that it says in the word, they have to remind themselves. And, and one, one woman said it, she said, sometimes it's a moment by moment choice throughout the day. To, to stop listening to the lies of the enemy mm-hmm. and, and to believe what God says in his word about me. So it's really those two things that change that orphan spirit mindset. It's a change in thinking and lining up our beliefs with what the word of God says. Mm. Amen. You know, one of the um, kind of the, the, the terms that come to my mind is, is um, when you don't have that identity is self-hatred. Um, I know a lot yes. of people struggle with that. Um, you know, and, uh, people close to me. And I, I think you don't realize it and it's not because you're a horrible person. It's because you're just, you're so down on yourself because nobody told you anything or, or taught you anything or gave you that type, that confidence, security, anything. And of course, ultimately the, our security and confidence comes from God, but somebody also displays that to us so that we can understand that. 
And if you don't have that, you start just, man, why am I feeling like this? I, because I because I feel like this, I must be messed up. I must be this. I must be that. And you just start hating on yourself. And that, that's a really hard pit to walk out of if you don't really get an encounter with the Lord. Am yeah, I correct in saying that? Because that's a lie that? from yeah. the enemy. Because yep. the word of God says that we are made in his image. Mm, yes. Right. Yes. So we have to see ourselves and choose to believe what God says about us. I, I'm, I'm made in the image of God. I have Christ in me, yes. the hope of glory. Yes. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Mm. It's, it's, you know, and I did a, I did a Bible study several years ago on the armor of God. Um, I think it was, it was um, Priscilla Shearer. And it was one of the best Bible studies I had done in a very long time. And part of that was, um, it included note cards, these big note cards that we could write things on. So I have a, a large note card for every piece of the armor, and it lists all of the scriptures that apply to that piece of armor, but, you know, about, so if it's the belt of truth, it's mm -hmm. scriptures about truth. Yes. When it comes to the, the helmet of salvation is one of my favorite, one of my favorite pieces because um, that's our identity in Christ, right? So knowing who we are in Christ is actually a piece of armor to protect us from the fiery arrows of the enemy. Right. So who, who am I in Christ? Well, I was made in the image of Christ. I've, you know, I've got Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am redeemed. I am chosen. I am dearly loved. And I looked up all of these scriptures that lay out who I am, not all of them, because there's countless ones in the Bible, but I filled as many as I could on that card. And on a regular basis, I go through and proclaim them out loud because Nothing shuts up the enemy faster than when you proclaim out loud the word of God. Wow. Agreed. And I'll tell you, I, I fall in the same trap. Uh, you know, if I, if I don't do that, and I, as I was talking to you previously, uh, before, well, before the show about some, about some personal stuff. And, and if, if I stay in that, in that mindset of just worry, worry and doubt, I'll just think yeah. about it all the time. Instead of realizing like, no, 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 God, God has this, God has me, God and all these things. And if I don't proclaim those things, I'll, I'll just fall into to worry and anxiety and want to crawl under a rock, but that's yeah. not what God wants for us. We yeah. are, you know, he wants you under yeah. the rock, but God wants you standing on the rock. That's it. That's exactly it. So, you know, uh, I want to ask you real quick. So obviously this book is happening. Uh, fantastic book, by the way, again, guys, uh, if you, if you have not gotten your copy of this book, it's if, make sure I have this right in the camera, just right. Orphans no more by Sandra Flack, um, a journey back, to the father that's an important part on that too because it really is a journey back to the father and we're, she obviously ties that in with um uh with adoption physically but then there's our spiritual adoption like she was mentioned the orphan spirit um so when it comes to that though um it really is it is that that's the displayment i mean that's what it looks like we kids we want somebody to want us um, and some, when that void's not filled, uh, we're just going to search for it our whole lives. And people do that, unfortunately. Uh, and, and what's fantastic about this, too, is that not only are you adopting and giving these, these kids a, a great place, yourself and, and other people that are doing it and people that you encourage to do it and people you run into all the time at these events you go to, but then they're showing them the real adoption story, which is, yes, I've adopted you. I love you so much, but there's somebody that's greater than me. What? No, you, you know, I mean, yes, there really is, you know, and even my kids today, they're like, they, they love me, but my, my, they get it though. They're like, dad, it's kind of weird. You're like, you're my dad, but I actually have two fathers. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, God is actually my father and, and, and I'm sorry, dad, but I do love him more. You know, I'm like, 
<laughs> you don't apologize. <laughs> that means you're doing your job that, right if they're saying that. <laughs> I, I, gosh, I hope they stay that way. You know, that it, it's fantastic. So, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you this though. What would you, Sandra Flack, tell your younger self, uh, knowing that where you are at today, knowing all the plethora of mistakes we all make? What would you, what advice would you give you, give yourself um, at that time if you could go back and say something to, to you um, about what you could have done differently or how you could have perceived things? Uh, one bit of advice. Sorry to put child? you on the spot. Well, as, as b- before you became an adoptive mom, now you talk about in the book and how it, you, know, you, guys made, you guys had made mistakes because you didn't know what you didn't know. If you could go back and tell yourself a couple of things, what would it be to say, like, hey, to, to kind of give you some encouragement? So basically be encouraging, encouragement. What do you give encouragement to as far as uh, the women out there and the men out there right now that want to adopt? Well, connection is key mm-hmm. and training, training, training. There, uh, you know, there is training. The foster care system provides training, but they don't provide all of the training. Mm-hmm. A lot of what they provide is about how it works and the rules and the regulations and what you have to do when you get a placement and so on. But what you, the training that I found to be the most valuable is training on trauma Mm. and training on brain-based disabilities such as fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So there are websites, in fact, our justicefororphansny.org website has a resource page for excellent training because I, I have discovered that a lot of times parents have to go in search of training. It's not just offered the way the, the training that I find to be the most valuable isn't really the routine training that's offered to families and sometimes families aren't even getting training. So you have to become trauma and FASD informed, um, continue to read and learn everything that you can. And, and when you have children in your home, you have to continue that education and learn everything you can about if, if they have some kind of diagnosis, like my chi- my kids are diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome. I make it my business to be an expert on that topic because yeah. I've learned I can't rely on doctors or teachers or other professionals to actually be an expert in that particular disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the training is key as far as getting equipped. And the other thing is connection and just loving because, you know, we're we're used to in our regular parenting of biological children we're used to that you know we we, we discipline we correct we teach we train um and we tended to be very punitive mm-hmm. in issuing consequences and disciplines um but children that come in from hard places whether through foster care or through adoption they they they've had a rocky start and they didn't get that foundation laid of unconditional love poured on them that we often pour on our biological children from in the womb to you know newborns and beyond so they need us to go back and pour that unconditional love on them and just connect with them and enjoy being with them and that that goes a long way to actually disarming fear and preventing or decreasing the challenging behaviors that we're going to face because it's a messy, you know, foster care and adoption is, is messy mm. and difficult. Um, you're going to encounter some of those things, but you can be better equipped for them. That's fantastic advice. I appreciate that very much. Uh, and everybody that's listening, I'm sure you appreciate that very much too. Again, you can reach out to uh, Sandra Flack at uh, sandraflack.com. Uh, and also you can go to uh, check out her podcast. Uh, it's called Orphans No More. 
Fantastic. Where you interview, you've interviewed many, many people. Now, how many episodes do you have now on file? Is it oh, goodness. I believe that we are about to, I can look it up. I have a cheat sheet. <laughs> We're about to, this, uh, by the end of this year, we'll, we'll hit our 300th episode wow. of the podcast. But it goes beyond that because you and I started many years ago, mm-hmm. right? Probably seven years ago. Yep, yep. On the radio. Mm-hmm. Orphans No More started out as a radio program, and then eventually it became a podcast. So we're approaching our 300th podcast episode, but we've been doing it much longer than that. Right, right. This is just the podcast form. This isn't the what was on the radio. It's, so it's been, a, it's been a long time. Um, and you're getting great response from, from all of this. So it, it's fantastic. Again, and what's great about it is it's really equipping what your motto is it's equipping the body of christ in a, in a major way and adoptive parents and, and foster care parents um so one thing i asked you last time i'd love to, to uh, you know whatever one you want uh you have a you have a million verses on your mind all the time which is fantastic uh if you could throw a verse out right now that would be sandra flex life verse today uh <laughs> what would it be yeah that sounds good which, what's, what's a life verse that you could spread? What's that? I'm, I'm cheating because I know it's Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 5, but yep. I have bookmarks yes. uh, made up with this on there. And if you order my book from my website, not only do you get a signed book, but you get a bookmark. And I'll read Ephesians 1, 3 through, fr- 3 through 5, and it's, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. In it, uh, ah, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Mm. Awesome. It, that doesn't melt your heart, honestly. Um, also, uh, as we close up here, uh, is there another? Now, we, you, now look at you were prophesied three books. Where's the other two? Right, you got another one coming? <laughs> you got, you got... I, yeah, I, I, I'm not currently writing. Uh, that book, the next book, but I would love to write more. That's one of the things I learned through the writing process of this book is how much I really do love to write, and I would love to write more. I'm not exactly sure what the next book will be, um, but I have been writing articles. I have an article coming out in September on the Focus on the Family website about FASD, uh, and I, I write a lot for our I blog regularly on sandraflack.com and, and write other things as well. But I, I definitely will be, there'll be another book coming in the future. Um, but right now we're riding the wave of this one and trying to get this book out there um, and, and, and promote it. So so my, my, my question is, is, when will I see you on, as a guest on Focus on the Family? I mean, have, have, have they not asked you yet? I don't they have not. Yeah, I'll have they to. Re- have I have to reach out to my sources and and let there them. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because they were, yeah, they were very kind. In um, I interviewed on the podcast. The podcast opens a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. I interviewed on the podcast last summer, um, Dr. Sharon Ford, who is the director of their foster care department at um, Focus on the Family, and I interviewed her about something else. Uh, foster care related and she asked me in our conversation you know the chats you have before and after you record and she said do you write and I said well actually yes I I do write I have a book coming out and so she asked me to write an article about the impact that COVID was having on Mm. adopted and foster children the closures and the shutdowns and all the changes and all that so I had done that 
Um, and then they reached out to me again this this uh, winter and asked if you know they had a they probably sent an invitation out to writers that normally submit articles to see with a list of topics that they were looking for articles on, none of which I felt led to write on, but I emailed back and I said, however, I would love to write an article about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and September is FASD Awareness Month. Wow. Um, and Dr. Ford actually emailed me back and said, let's set up a call. So they asked me, they said, we want you to write this article. We'll release it in September. So um, it was it was an incredible door that opened. So it's actually my second article for them and who knows where it will lead to. But God opens doors and I've just learned, step through. If he's mm. opening it, I'm gonna step through and trust him for what's on the other side. I love that. I really do. I, I agree with that uh, because um, you know, one time, real quick thing is I, years and years ago, I, I met, uh, well, accidentally, actually, I, went, I mean, it was at the concert, but afterwards he was just hanging out. So I went up and we started talking. It was, it was Toby Mac actually. And it's one of the things that he said to me, it was so encouraging forever. He's like, you know, whenever I did something, I never had to kick open the door. I didn't have to push it or force it. And sometimes we do that because we want it to happen. Um, and when we do that, we get frustrated. Uh, but one thing is, 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 uh, is just putting our trust in God and he's like, and, and it just, the door's always opened. And I always, I always took that to heart. I thought that was fantastic. And, and that's what we do now. I'm not saying that we don't have to persevere and push through things like that, but sometimes when we're trying to force something into a hole that doesn't fit, you know, it, it doesn't work. Um, right. but yeah, I think that that's, that's awesome. And, uh, and man, it's cool to be, um, putting articles on, on folks in the family. They're, they're, they're great. And they have some great, uh, they they have a great staff. One of the guys I can't I think it's their, their child psych psychiatrist or something that's part of the organization. I think he was the one that they interviewed. He put some some new book, Seven Steps or Seven Something. I don't know. It's always Seven Something. I, I have no idea. But it, it's it's a fantastic book. But anyway, uh, back to your book. Uh, there you go. Uh, if you have not ordered your copy of Orphans No More by Sandra Flack, I encourage you to do that. Go to sandraflack.com. Uh, go to justice uh, justicefororphans.org right? Is it? Justicefororphansny.org. NY.org. If people need resources, if people need some encouragement, if people need, know, uh, need to know where to go to get some help, uh, please uh, contact Sandra um, because she will definitely help you. And of course, her book will help you. And I think you have a lot of the information on here and how people can contact you on the book as well. Yes. Yeah. The back of the book. Yep. So get a book. You'll have all the information you need and all the resources there and as well as the connections. And it's all about connections. So again, uh, thank you for so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, Sandra, thank you so much for being on this show. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be definitely talking soon. Thanks so much, Ken. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have a great rest of your journey. I know you, you got a lot going on right now. You just came back from another seminar. You're always doing these things because, again, you're always, like you said, learning more so that we can be better equipped. So thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, great interview with Sandra Flack. Uh, great information right there. I hope you enjoyed this show. If you have, I pray that you would uh, rate and review this show, the Ken Burns show on Apple podcasts and subscribe to the BMG network on YouTube and uh, also follow the Ken Burns show on Facebook. Really appreciate it. And of course, go to the BMG network.com check out all the great podcasts that we have right there really appreciate you listening and tuning in to this episode of the ken burns show and i look forward to being back with you again next monday 
right here on The Ken Burns Show, only on the BMG Network. The Ken Burns Show was produced, edited, and recorded in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of The Ken Burns Show, go to the bmgnetwork.com or find The Ken Burns Show on Facebook. And please join us again as we bring you more dynamic content. Thank you.